Now, I want to review with you just some of the goals that uh, were achieved. Some of these are personal goals I'm going to share with you. Some are corporate goals. I'm not going to give you all of them. Uh, but I just want to give you a few just because, you know, you need to rejoice. I mean, how, how many of you reached a goal or two, two that you wanted to reach in 2011? Just testify. There was, there was some goal. You didn't reach them all, but maybe one or two. Isn't it good just to feel good? I accomplished something. You know, it wasn't just a wasted year. Well, so it was for us as well. For me personally, I always goal a number of books that I want to read. Usually it's a dozen books. I figure if I can get through one a month, I'm doing pretty good. So I got my dozen books read this year, so I feel pretty good about that. Had to hurry through December to get a couple extra read, but I was going to meet that goal. Um, One of our goals is that we always want to give away more money, whether it be to the church or to other kingdom causes. Uh, Our household, we delight in giving, and so we just want every year to give away more money. And God, I believe, gives us more so we can give away more. And gratefully, we were able to do that. Uh, This year, I'm glad to be able to report that I've lost weight and then I gained weight. So, uh, you know, I I, I, I rejoice that I lost a few, but I also got those few back and I'm going to work. I'm going to work on that again because I want to live long. I told you I'm going to live to my mid 90s preaching the gospel. And, uh, you know, God will give me longevity, but he also expects me to take care of this temple. So, um, you know, we're going to go after that again. Uh, I was able, one of the things I wanted to do was to set in motion a a gathering of pastors in South Carolina for the purposes of cultural engagement. And so that has been happening and is going to become uh, even more, I believe, impactful and have even greater fruition in, in the coming days. And so these are just some of the goals. And I say them out loud because it just personally makes me feel good to say, okay, I, I accomplished a few things. Didn't accomplish them all, but I got a few things under my belt. Now, let me just share a couple things with the church, too. There's some things we can feel good about. For example, you know, last year I, I, I said, is it possible for us to get nine, or, excuse me, 100 people here at 930 for intercession? Now, I don't know. We had a good crowd this morning, which, which told me it must be January 1st because we had this good crowd <laughs> coming to intercession. You know what? In 2011, we had on one occasion 99 people at intercession. Now, we were one away. Now, that's still a good number of people coming to intercession. And I commend you for coming. But do you know how much that one just, oh, it just, you know, because that's, you know, I'm a type A, you know, choleric. It's like goal missed. We must get it, you know. (laughs) So that's how I feel. So, you know, how about 2012 and how about January because we're going to be fasting and praying how about everybody, nobody's going to come drag you out of bed, but how about this month you just determine, hey, I'm going to show up at 9.30, surprise everyone, and, and I'm just going to link up and we're going to hit a goal. Amen? And why don't you just consider that as, as one of your goals, and uh, we can do that corporately as well. Can I just share with you a financial goal that I threw out? I was mentioning this last night at Vertical Service, and I'm sure the people at large don't think or keep this on the front burner of their thoughts like pastor would because you know we have all of our uh recurring expenses with regards to a church you know we pay a lease payment you despite the uh heating unit not working this morning we do pay for heat amazingly um and there you know and then we're doing a land project and 
we've got all the fees for land clearing and all the things that are going on out there. And so we have a lot of projects, a lot of vision happening, and it takes some expense. And I shared with you last year that, that some numbers that I really was believing God that we would hit together uh, for us, and it would take God to help us reach these financial goals. Um, in fact, in my mind, they were miracle numbers that I told you that in the regular tithe and offering for the church for the year, if we could reach $450,000 and then all of our giving, which would include building monies and funds and some missions monies, that if we could reach 550000 boy, that would be a God year for 2011, Four fifty and 550. I, I want to report to you that we didn't reach 450. We reached $523,000 that we were able to raise in this body. And that, that's amazing. That's almost $70,000 more in order to do uh, the work. And we're thankful for it because believe me, when there's vision happening, you always need resource. And then we didn't reach 550, but we reached 587. Thank you for your obedience, and thank you for your generosity, and thank you for exercising, you know, trust and confidence in this church and ministry, and, and that's a reflection of God working in you. I have often said this, that the church prospers when God's people prosper. It's directly linked, and that's why I pray all the time, God, prosper their hands. Give them raises. Give them promotions. Seal the deal. Let them close them all. Amen. You don't mind if I pray that for you, do you? That God would enlarge you and prosper you? Because I know that if he'll prosper you, then, then you in return will honor the Lord. So we're grateful for that. Our missions giving is, is reaching nearly $50,000 a year. Isn't that amazing? 50000 Go to missions. Just, now, we're not talking our individual works. We're just talking our, our corporate working together. We had encounters. We did our encounters. We've seen lives changed. We've seen people trained. And can I just say that one goal is particularly one that I'm savoring. There was one pesky tree that fell this year. Amen. And the land got cleared. And I realize it's not happening nearly as fast as I would like it, nor you. But can I just say you're praying because I've got some financing a negotiating happening, and I'm, I'm believing 2012 is going to be our year. All right, so you keep praying. God is giving us favor in some of these areas. But I was thinking about all of this, and especially that tree. I'm going to come back to that tree because it represented so many things for, for me in my life. And I don't know whether it represented or you, you, you grabbed hold of all that it may have represented to us, but I, I lived with that tree for at least 11 months. One tree. I'm going to share something with you. When you have something like one tree that's, that sets before you, and, and, and maybe it's not a tree for you, but it's just, it's just something that would be so easy for God to take care of. He could send a lightning bolt. I, I, you know, I wasn't praying this way, but he could have sent a hurricane and dealt with one tree. He could have sent some disease to it and killed it. And when you, and when you think about that, and, and, and you can identify, I'm sure, somewhere in your life, there's this thing that which seems so amazingly simple, really, to deal with, but it's just like that tree. And for whatever reason, 
it just wasn't coming down. And I was, I was living with this tree and we were negotiating through all the county red tape and all the things. And, and I, you know, it was just an amazing year, this tree. And finally, I remember I'd gone about nine months just sort of letting what's supposed to happen out there happen. And there was an anointing that hit me one day in, in my trailblazer. And I just said, you know, and this was spiritual. You know, it was like, it was like, doggone it. That tree is not going to stop the work of God. I am done with this tree. I mean, I'm just done with the tree. And that moment, I picked up my cell phone, and my land engineer, he knew my name. And, and everybody at the county started to know my name because I would make a, without embellishment, some days, a dozen phone calls every day, pushing, pushing, pushing. They'd say, Pastor Baird, we're doing our best. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you're doing the very best. But what can we do to get this through? Who does it need to see next? I will walk it there if you need me to pick up the paper and walk. I mean, you, and, and we just went after it. I just went after it until finally it was, it was accomplished. But, but we started to just ask ourselves, what, what does this mean, God, this, this one thing? Have you ever stopped for a moment in your life, and when you got that one thing, have you ever paused and said, God, are you trying to say something to me here? It might be. And, and, and we started to ask, even corporately. I know some of you were giving me insight as to what maybe you thought that meant with regards to the tree. And I know people said that they thought maybe the roots of the tree represented the depth of, of occultic activity or witchcraft. Or the power of darkness and how deep it had rooted itself. And that it was demonstrating to us the challenge that we're going to have to step into in order to uh, take to task these things. We, uh, we mentioned and even heard some thought it might have been the entrenchment of tradition. The time of resistance. You know, old oak trees represent years of entrenchment and tradition. Even religion. And, and maybe it was representing the depth of challenge and struggle uh, that all of these things uh, would be to us. And I, I believe all of these things have an appropriate application in our life. I don't know if I'm remembering all of them, but those were at least a couple of them. But this week as I was preparing for this moment, the Spirit of God had really started speaking to me. And um, I was reading a book. In fact, I was reading Jensen Franklin's book on fasting. And there was a story that just leapt off the pages to me. And this story was a story of two lumberjacks. One was an old lumberjack. One was relatively young and new. Of course, the older lumberjack was certainly not as strong as the younger one was. The young one had muscles and had great strength. And uh, these two entered into a contest to see who could cut more trees down in a day. Anytime I read about trees these days, it just, it speaks to me in a new way. So they entered into this contest to cut, to see who could cut down more trees in one day. And so they both came to the place and they were ready to go. And, and when the, the gun uh, went off and they went after the trees, the young lumberjack, of course, relied on his strength and he went after it feverishly. 
full of energy and strength. And he kept cutting trees, tree after tree after tree. He just kept cutting trees constantly. And, and he would look over on occasion and he would see the older lumberjack and he would be cutting down trees. But every now and then, every second or third tree, he'd stop and he'd take a break. And the young lumberjack knew if he was stopping to take breaks that there was no way that he could, he could beat or eclipse him with the number of trees that uh, he was cutting down. And when the day was all said and done, with great confidence, the young lumberjack came back and they counted up all the trees that were cut down between the two and they found out that the old lumberjack had cut down a third more trees than the young one did. And the young one was stunned. He was stronger. He was more aggressive. He could work harder, last longer. And he didn't know how it happened. And so he asked, and the old lumberjack said these words. He said, son, what you don't understand is that every time I sat down for what you called a break, I was sharpening my axe. A sharp axe makes for a lot less work. And trees fall faster. Abraham Lincoln once said, give me six hours to chop down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. Now, maybe for the untrained, it sounds like a waste of time, but a woodsman understands two things. A dull axe makes for far more work. And secondly, a dull axe can even be more dangerous than a sharp one. Because it requires more time, more energy, more effort. And if you're not careful, as you're swinging your axe, it can literally glance off a tree. Uh, lumberjacks realize this. And actually, you can uh, accidentally cut your leg or hit your leg. And I thought about that story. And I just started thinking. I remember, Michael, you were out there early. And you were wanting to help cut down the tree. And other men brought their chainsaws as well. And I just remember when we started going after that thing, I was watching you. You were the one working hard. I was watching. <laughs> and, and I know you had taken time because you had emailed me and said, got to sharpen up my blades. I, I need to get ready. And, and I know you worked that thing hard. But think back to that for just a minute. And, and that did not, even the symbolic tree, didn't come down easy. It didn't come down. You sharpened your chainsaws. You did what you needed to do. The other guys had sharpened their chainsaws. And I started to think about that and about how our tree was finally cut down. I know we all did what we knew to do at the time to do what was right. But I remember how hard that tree was to cut. And, and all of a sudden, something began to speak to me again. Something I'd missed just a couple months ago that was speaking to me again. And, and, and I started to ask myself the question, Lord, have we become dull? Perhaps the tree didn't come down, not so much because of its roots, although that certainly is a legitimate application. I think everything that was shared are legitimate applications. But maybe there's one more application to it all that we just would ask ourselves. I asked it of myself. Lord, have we become dull so that cutting down trees, just one tree, has become a challenge. I want to share what I've entitled this morning, Sharpening Our Spiritual Edge. Sharpening Our Spiritual Edge. In Ecclesiastes 10, there's this really interesting verse that's in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10, it says this. 
if the axe is dull and no and one does not sharpen the edge then he must use more strength <laughs> like duh it's in the bible if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge then he must use more strength but wisdom brings success now let me give you the point one more time the natural point here is that tree cutting is hard with a dull blade that's just the natural point takes more effort you have a dull blade it's going to take a little more effort to cut something down now let me give you the spiritual point if your spiritual life is dull then it takes more strength to navigate it successfully your life If your spiritual life is dull, it will take more strength for you to navigate your life successfully. Now, can we just admit we all get dull on occasion? I want to ask you, though, do you want your life to be effective, powerful, and favored in 2012? Can I hear an amen? Come on. Do you want your life, I'll ask you one more time, to be effective, powerful, and favored in this new year if so say amen again come on now how about as a church do we do we want to be effective powerful and favored for 2012 can i get a witness from the church amen i do too now this is transparency time that's what we're known for here at legacy can we all just admit that there can be moments or even seasons where we would have to admit that we are not as spiritually sharp as we've been? Now, I'm not saying you weren't saved. You were just saved and dull. See, I think you can be saved and sharp or saved and dull. Let me give you some examples of not being as sharp. Maybe, maybe the passion for reaching people the passion for reaching lost people, the the passion for sharing your testimony, the passion for just speaking the things of God wherever God has placed you, maybe maybe that's diminished some and and it's not like it used to be. Maybe, Maybe you've lost your spiritual steam. I mean, there was a time you were all out and, and you were just sort of this crazed Jesus freak. And now, you know, you're just kind of docile and and, and, and you're really not, not exercising as much passion as you used to. Maybe you're worn out. Maybe serving God has just become another appointment on the calendar for you. Like today, it's just Sunday and it's what you do on Sunday. And you're here and that's great and it's good. And it's not certainly not sin. It's a good thing to be doing. But, but it's just sort of something that fits around your work and your sleep and your meals. And maybe some playtime or hobby time. Maybe church has become routine for you. Things have become familiar or stale. I don't know how you would define dullness, but at least have the honesty to be able to say that whether or not you're feeling it now, there have been probably occasions in all of our life where we would say, I'm saved, but but my edge is dull. Happens to everyone. I believe it especially happens after people experience challenging years i want to affirm you i i I hope you hear this and i hope you you take it to heart i personally think and my wife 
and I, we walk and we say this constantly. And, and I know we say it to ourselves and maybe we don't say it enough to you. I hope at least we do or I hope you feel it. I think you are a great people. I really do. I wouldn't trade you, and I want you to know this, I wouldn't trade you for any congregation I know or don't know of. I want you. I like you. In fact, I believe that you are a hardier people than maybe most people are because you've had to join with us and pioneer some things. It's not easy to pioneer. It's not easy to dig things out. It's not easy to build a building. You know, really, when you build a building, they tell you the minute you build it, you know, you'll grow and people will come. And that's wonderful. And we want to reach people. But I tell you, when you need people to come, it's not when the building's built. It's when you're building the building. I mean, so there, there takes kind of a steadfastness there. And, and I'll just say this, and I'm going to say this in, in a way, and, and I'm going to couch it in a way that I personally believe. I, you know, I realize I may not be the best pastor, but I, I, I do okay. I mean, I do okay. I know some of you would say, we think you're great, or I think you're great, and I appreciate that. But, but I, have a, I have a great handle on my weaknesses and on my strengths. So I, I know I may not be the best, but I know I'm not the worst. And I do believe that all of us together, me included, I would say this, I think all of us are doing, or at least we think we're doing, our very best. And, and perhaps indeed we are. But will you at least join me in the beginning of a brand new year and ask the question, is our acts dull? See, there's always going to be challenges to the Christian life. And, and if you're an all-out kind of Christian like I am, and, and I think like we are as a people, and if, if you're spirit-filled like I am and like we are, and if you take discipling seriously as I do and, and I think as we do, then don't you be surprised if we face some challenges that maybe other Christians don't face. And maybe as a church we face challenges that other churches may not face. And it doesn't make one better or worse. It just is a realization that, that if we're going to go all out, there could be some challenges in the all out. But you see, my measuring stick, our measuring stick, can never be another church. It can never be, for me, another pastor even. Our measuring stick, according to the scripture, is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We have a higher standard. Our standard just isn't how many noses we can count. Our standard is, do those noses look like Jesus' nose? We have a higher standard. God has called us to witness to some things. I believe we not only preach and teach and believe, but we demonstrate a victorious gospel in every area of life. Listen, I believe that there's victory in your finances, there's victory over sickness and illness, there's victory over every bondage, and there's victory over sin. And we are not pawns in this world saddled with defeat and all we can hope for is another dose of forgiveness. I believe that Christians were meant to prevail. We were meant to triumph and conquer. These are the words of Scripture. But to do these things, we must be spiritually sharp. Sharp. To cut down what will be before you in 2012. Now listen to me carefully. Because we're not prophesying negatively, I'm prophesying reality. Every great dream has great giants. 
Every great people will face great obstacles. Every great purpose for your own life is going to face great challenge. And to do what God has purposed you to do or what God has purposed us to do in order for us to cut through those trees that are before us in 2012, we will need lives that are sharpened. Because I'm here to tell you, I'm not cutting down the little three-inch trees. I'm going after the big, thick ones. The question is never the size of the tree, or for that matter, the size of the giant, or the size of the wall, or the size of the city, or the size of the enemy's army, or the size of the mountain, the size of the challenge, the size of the obstacle. All of these are analogies for whatever it is that stands before you and God's will. The issue and the question is never the size of the tree. The issue is always the sharpness of your axe. Did you hear that? You say, you don't know the tree that's in front of me. Then you just need to get your axe sharper. We are called to conquer, and so we shall. But we will not do it with dull axes. 21st century Christians, especially the American variety, are not generally ready for long-term assignments. Unfortunately, through the 80s and the 90s and what happened in church life, we were so inundated with the now and the dramatic and the instant that unfortunately my generation was groomed for the immediate. We were groomed to only expect God to move quick, fast, here, now, Don't worry, you'll never work, you'll never work up a sweat. You just name it and claim it, believe it, lay hold of it, and all of it's going to happen super, super fast. And and if you've lived this long enough, you're going to find out that isn't always how it works. Faith is a journey, and, and, and sometimes faith is a fight. And and that time period, because it was so so inundated upon us and we were so immersed in it it's not served us well the reason being is because as we expected these things we never worked and we never we we never were resilient and tenacious and our axes got dull and even beyond that can i just say that the issues of life and the relentlessness of living causes us to lose our edge i don't know about you there are just days i get up and everything that's thrown at you, I just say, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I just, it's just kind of how you feel. I mean, life isn't always easy. And, and, and it's just, it's throwing at you things all the time. And the enemy's throwing things at you. And it's easy. Listen, this isn't about condemnation. It's just about honesty. It's easy to lose your edge. But I want to remind you today, and I believe January 1, 2012 is a good day to do it. We are the church come on now we're the people of god we're a holy nation a royal priesthood a chosen generation come on no one else has the assignment given by god to go and win your city no one else but the church has the assignment literally to disciple the nations jesus looked at us and said deliver the oppressed Heal the sick, cast out devils, feed the poor, stop the injustice, build his church. We need our edge back to do these things. And the good news is, 
we can be sharpened. We need that edge back. We need our cutting edge back. You think pastor has preached in sharp ways in the past. I said, God, give me my edge back in the preaching ministry. Come on. You say, aren't you worried about offending someone? No, I'm worried about cutting a chain off them. Come on, we got to get our edge back in the way we worship God, in the way we praise God. Say, won't that cause someone to think we're foolish? It was David who said to his wife, I will become even more distinguished in your eyes as I praise God. We need to get our edge back. We need to get our edge back when we pray and when we intercede, when we sacrifice and when we give in every area of life. We need to get our edge back. We need to, to have such authority in this regard That when someone calls and they say, will you pray, things happen because we got our edge back. Now the question is, well, how do we sharpen these things? Well, I'm going to share this with you. I'm glad you asked. All right? Just three things, amazingly. How to sharpen your edge. Number one, how about let's start by admitting you're dull. Now, I don't mean that you're just maybe a boring person. I don't know that I can fix that. But you know what I'm talking about. The, the, the edge of your spiritual life has become dull. You know, there's actually a word in the Bible for dull. Put it on the screen, it's the word nothros. It actually means slow of heart or inwardly sluggish. The best way <clears throat> perhaps you can understand this is, is by simply saying loss of passion or loss of spiritual energy. You just don't have the energy. Everybody's seen this before. You know, you, you, let's say you get saved, you get born again, or maybe you get filled with the Spirit, or some great uh, uh, dramatic spiritual happening takes place in your life. And I've seen this for years. And people will have this dramatic happening, and phew, they're out of the chute. I mean, they're just, they're excited, they're passionate, they're, they're after it. You know, if the doors of the church are open, they're there. I mean, you can just, whatever you're going to measure it by, I mean, it's happening. But it's amazing at about the six-month mark or so how sometimes things lose their luster or lose their fire. And uh, that's called becoming dull. And, and it's not that it won't ever happen. The key is, is that as it happens, because it happens to me too. You see, you don't pastor... You don't pastor for 27, 28 years and not want to walk out and say, you do it. I want, I want to go down and get me a tall one and get blasted because I'm done with it. You don't think that doesn't happen? I'm just, it, it, sure it does. I think everybody sometime in their life needs to work with the public. You, you hear that rumble? because you know working with people isn't easy or fun all the time and 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 your job may have you know you may work with people it may not be you know in in like what i do but what is the same is it's with people and you just work with people and there are some days you can come to work and it's god is on the throne and the sky is blue and the birds are singing and you're in love and you just you you just it's just nothing's going to get me down and 30 days later it's this life sucks it, it's just, I don't want to be here. This is terrible. Get me out of here. I'm in, you know, this is the devil's pit. 
Isn't that true? The problem is, you like your paycheck greater than your need to quit. Spiritually, we don't get paid to do this. As a matter of fact, God, God asks 10% from us. So for some, it's even easier to backslide. They think they're saving money. But that dull, you've gotten dull. Jesus used this word. It's interesting. He used this word, nothra, several times. One time the disciples asked why he spoke in parables. And his answer was, to why he spoke in parables, the people, and, and I'm, I'm loosely translating, uh, but he says, the people have grown dull and do not hear. So I'm going to speak in a parable that hopefully they'll relate to so they can begin to hear. When he was... Uh, walking with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. As you will recall, the disciples didn't recognize him. Remember the story? They're walking with this dude that they'd walked with for three years. And they don't recognize him. And why is that just share, This just shares me how quickly we can become dull. You're not three, four days beyond an event, and all of a sudden dullness is, is sinking in. And all of a sudden when he broke bread and their eyes were opened, This is what he said. He said, foolish and dull ones, you should know. Paul called the Jews at Rome dull. It wasn't because they, again, were boring. It was because they they didn't have their passion or their zeal back. The Hebrew writer, interestingly, says, as he's writing to those Hebrews, he says that you become dull of hearing. And he actually prays that they might not become dull anymore with regards to inheriting the promises. He says the reason your promises aren't coming, the reason you're not inheriting some good things from God, is because your axe isn't sharp anymore. You become dull. Ask yourself, am I as zealous as I was when I got saved? Am I as passionate as I was that moment I was filled with the Spirit? Am I as on fire as I once was in days past i mean is there something some dynamic that's happening in me that that when people have a need they know they could call me and that if i were to pray for them that there would at least be some confidence that god would hear see i believe the starting place for any work of god in all of our life is humility once you enter into humility and begin to admit that you aren't all that The minute that happens is the minute God can sweep in and cause what you're not to become what he is. Where he can begin to take the weakness that you have and turn it into the strength that he wants to loose in you. So we've got to admit if we become dull, it's not a sign of weakness. It's the smartest thing we've ever done by saying, Lord, it's beyond me anymore. I've lost my edge. You're going to have to help me get it back. Admit you may be dull. Secondly, make up your mind to get sharp. Now, I may come back to this later in the month. The reason I may come back to it is because there is power in a made-up mind. I'll say that again. There is power in a made-up mind. You know, a lot of double-mindedness is removed when you just determine that you're going to make up your mind and you're going after what it is God has for you. You've made up your mind. There's power in that. 
There are a lot of things people make their minds up about, and, and there's, just, there's just power in setting the rudder of your will. It may not even have anything to do with God. You're just setting a rudder. and You've made up your mind. Some people decide they're, let's just say, I'm getting a divorce, and it's just, there's no other talk. They've just made up their mind, and there's power in that. They make up their mind they're going to spend some money or buy this item. And there's no talking them out of it. They have made up their mind. There is power in a made-up mind. There's power to lead you down an evil path or there's power to lead you down God's path. Power in a made-up mind. I want to share with you that it's time we made up our mind to be in the house of God. Make up our mind to walk with God. Don't you wait for the warm fuzzies. If you're waiting for the warm fuzzies, three weeks from now, they'll be gone. The fuzzies will have left your building. you got to make up your mind. Make up your mind to pray daily. Say, well, it just, it, it just didn't strike me today. It didn't feel like it today. I don't care what you felt like. Have you made up your mind? Make up your mind to read the Word. I believe you can make up your mind to be passionate. See, we're waiting for something to happen to be zealous. We're waiting for something exterior to solicit an emotion that will cause us to be energized or excited or would solicit an emotion that would cause us to really like what we're doing because we feel something. Well, I like that too. In fact, these next few days, there are going to be football games on. I'm going to watch a few of them, and I'm going to get excited by it because I'll like what I see, and I'll be rooting for some of my teams. And, and I'll just be honest with you. I, I like that in that energy. But I'm just telling you, some of us root for teams that never make it to the championship bowl, and we just make up our mind to be a fan. It's time we made up our mind to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to stumble. I'm making up my mind. Now, I may stumble, but let me tell you, I'm making up my mind to be sure that at least within God empowering me and in that power that I have, I'm not stumbling. I'm making up my mind to keep my focus this year. I'm making up my mind to fulfill my potential. I'm making up my mind. We were talking about this, baby, that we're not looking back. We've done torn the calendar, whether it's 2011, 2010, 29, 2009, 08, I tear the calendars off the wall. Say, I don't know if I can do that. I keep going back. Make up your mind. You make up your mind about other things. Make up your mind. Some of you need to make up your mind that this is the year you're going to cut those voices out of your life that drag you down. Just make up your mind. Just make it up. There's power in a made-up mind. You would be amazed at what happens when you just make up your mind. There's power in that. Then finally, I'm going to come back to that one. That one, that was a horse. I felt that horse coming out of the stable. And I think that, that horse needs ridden another Sunday sometime. We may come back to that one. Number three, then you got to take the prescribed action. You admit, okay, my axis has become dull. Two, I'm making up my mind that 2012, I'm sharpening my axe. I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm on target. I'm, my edge is what it needs to be to cut down the trees that may be standing in my way for God's will. And then thirdly, now you've got to take the prescribed action. Because just admitting 
and making up your mind while those things are necessary, there comes a moment when all of that translates into a step. You got to take a step. You see, you must do that which causes you to be sharp again. You can want the blade to be sharp. You can admit that it's dull. But if that blade doesn't hit the grinding stone, it will never be sharp again. Now, I've already mentioned that this will be the fifth year that as a body we're going to do a corporate fast. I'm going to mention it again. Monday, January the 9th, Monday morning. That way on Sunday you get your last, go, go down there to Senor Tequila and get chips and eat chips till you drop on Sunday the 8th. Go get you your wings or go get you whatever. Go get you your milkshake. Go get you your pizza. Go get it all if you want and just eat till you drop. But on Monday, January the 9th, make up your mind and choose a fast. It's got to be food. Skip a meal. Do a Daniel fast. We can get information your direction. And by the way, I say this every year. Don't run around the church asking, what fast are you going to do? What fast are you doing? What, just, hey, get before God. That person isn't sharpening your axe. He's sharpening your axe. And I'll say this again. You are not the fast sheriff either. Don't look at someone and, and say, that ain't a fast. If you were, if you were really fasting, yeah, well, if, yeah, we'll leave that alone. If it doesn't mean, though, something to you, it probably, though, won't mean something to God. So, and again, if you have dietary issues, then be smart. I understand some people have, you know, sugar issues and things, and, and I'm not asking you to go into, you know, a, a diabetic coma for God. I'm not asking you to do that, nor is God. But, but why, don't, why, don't you, why don't you do something, and then in your fast, believe God for healing for that diabetic problem? Why not? Make up your mind. Fasting, praying, even giving, Jesus said, are the gateways to power. That's Bible. That's just, not, that's just not me. That's Bible. These are the ways we begin to sharpen the axe. It's how we find our spirit sharpened again. I've had people uh, through these years now come and even say to me, I, I know it's hard to believe that someone would say this, and the reason I say this out loud is because now no one will come say this to me. But they'll say, well, you know, fasting, I just don't know. Fasting it really isn't for me. Or it isn't even really necessary. Can I just suggest that if Jesus, who is the very reflection of God, needed to fast, you ain't him. Which means probably it's more desperately needed in your life and in my life. And I want to challenge you just for the month of January. Come on, let's, let's do some things that will sharpen our axe again. Let's get sharp for this year. Let's knock the dullness out of our system. Let's everybody try. Now, no one, again, no one's going to share this. There's not going to be condemnation in this. We're not going to throw these innuendo bombs at each other. But I'm just challenging you and asking you to, to just see if, if this is going to be the moment you may pick some of these things up. But, but, you know, every Sunday morning at 9.30 we pray. And you know what? Praying is our, our responsibility as a Christian in the church. To pray. 
I know you can pray anywhere at any time and it's just as valid. I, I get that. But, but corporately, if we're going to get our edge back, come on, why don't you ask yourself, just, just for a couple Sundays anyway, maybe you can't do it all year long for whatever reason, but at least say, you know what, pastor's probably right on this one. I believe that's the voice of God. I'm, gonna, I'm just for at least a couple weeks, I'm going to just link up with fellow believers. We're going to be fasting together. We're going to be praying at some times together, and we're going to believe God together that as a church, we will do the church's task before God. How about let's worship like we've never worshipped before? I'm going to encourage you. Why not, why not this January as you're fasting and you're praying and you're getting your edge back? I'm just going to challenge you. No one's going to come and make you do anything. Hey, if you've never put your arms in the air, how about this year? You'll live. You know, when everybody does it, it's like it's not so weird a deal. Why not? Why not this year? Why not next week? Just step into something to get your edge back. Worship like we've never worshipped before. How about we just give like we've never given before? I'm, I'm setting goals that, that every year I'm trying to increase by 1% more of what we've been doing through the years now in order to get it into the kingdom. I mean, I want, wouldn't it be cool if one day I could live on 10% and give away 90%? Maybe God would prosper me to where 10% would be this amazing amount, but then just give 90 away. Why not? It'll never happen unless I get my edge back. Come on, break into some new territory in your life, spiritually speaking. Break into some new territory. Shake off the routine. Shake off the familiar. Do something new. What would God do if we set aside 21 days out of 365? That doesn't sound like much when you think of it that way, does it? 21 out of 365 to just get our edge back. This is what I believe, like that old lumberjack. If we would dedicate 21 to sharpening our axe, I'll bet the rest of the year will go a whole lot smoother. What miracles might God do? I remember on the farm when it came to sharpening axes and sharpening blades. We used what we called corn knives. They were about this long. I guess you would probably know it best as a machete. And, and they were, you know, they had a small handle on it and a, and a blade. And, and we would cut down sunflowers. In Kansas, you got sunflowers everywhere you go. Now, you come to South Carolina, you can buy those things, you know, in a, in, in a store. It's like a flower people want. Man, I saw that. I, I don't know where I was, Lowe's or some lawn and garden store, and I saw them selling sunflowers. I said, give me a knife. I'll cut that thing down for you. I mean, I, I mean when you're in Kansas, man, you don't, you don't want sunflowers. Sunflowers, they suck the water out of your crops, and you, they're everywhere. And now people are planting them like they want them in their yard here. I'm going, man, you don't want a sunflower. And that's what you'd go. Those sunflowers would grow, and, and sometimes you'd have to go through a cornfield, and, and we'd do that at times, uh, gratefully not too much, but mostly around electric fences. We would, we would have to cut down these, these sunflower stalks. They'd get rather thick, and, and, and you'd do that all day. I mean, it was an all-day job of cutting uh, these sunflowers, and at the end of the day, 
course, doing it all day, the blade would get dull. And so you would either do it first thing in the morning or at the end of your day, so you didn't have to do it in the morning. You'd get the grinding stone going. And, and we learned, I learned as a, as a young teenager, I learned how to sharpen the blade uh, on the machete that we used to cut down these, these sunflowers. And, and it just, you know, it wasn't capricious. It, there was a way to do it. You actually, you'd put a little oil uh, on the grinding stone and uh, you'd set your blade there and you learned how to tilt it at just the right angle uh, so it didn't uh, break off. And, uh, you know, it was, just, it was just one of the things you did because your next day would be more effective if you carried a sharp corn knife. It, would be, it really could be a hard day. In fact, I've worked with dull corn knives where, where literally if you have a sharp one, it's just, it'll cut it down. If it's not sharp, you, you got to hold it. You know, and, and you'd get it out. I mean, it'd eventually come out. But, you know, that's what some of us look like in life. Where if you just sharpen your axe, you'd cut right through it. Now, some of you will get through your challenges, but it's, but it's like you're holding it and hacking at it. And, and then, wait, I'm going to call. Pray for me. I'm hacking on this thing right now. I, wanna, I need some agreement on this thing. And that's and that's how your that's what your life looks like. And all God's saying is is not that there is an agreement or that you couldn't call or you got kind of a prayer partner. I'm not saying. I'm just saying you'd get through the tree if your axe was sharp. Now here's what I believe. I believe that worship brings an anointing. I believe worship is the initial access we have to God's anointing, the oil. As we worship, and the oil is loosed, and then as we enter into, because we have a made-up mind, into fasting and into praying, what begins to happen is at that moment, we literally set ourselves on God's wheel, that he begins to sharpen. Because you know what he does during a fast? He'll begin to talk to you, and he'll say little things like, hey, you know that thing right there in your life that I... I haven't had the ability to talk to you about that. Uh, that's gone. Let that go. And because you've made up your mind that you want all that God has for you, you just go, oh, I, I didn't hear that before. And the Lord goes, I know, you were dull. Dull of hearing. Oh, okay, well, sorry about that, Lord. Well, got your attention now. Let it go. Okay, see, let it go. Are you following me? What's happening? When you're fasting, all of a sudden, in fact, Jesus looked at his disciples when they said, at one particular occasion, when they were trying to cast out a devil, and uh, they weren't able to do it, and they were, just, they were just mystified as to why they couldn't do that. And he said, this kind will not come out except by prayer and fasting. Do you understand, there are some things that you will face in your life that's from the enemy that you won't prevail over until you get your axe sharp again. And you fast. And you pray. 2011 was a great year. We saw miracles in so many areas. Finances. Our land project. Our attendance. The worship. Young people. Men's group. Ladies ministry. 
children area is growing. Babies are being born in our midst. Hey, if you have friends that want to get pregnant, tell them to come to Legacy and drink the water. There's something going on here. We have a lot we have here to be grateful for. But that was 2011. This is 2012. We're going to need a sharp axe. Stand with me, will you?